I'm going to start us in prayer. Father, uh, we thank you so much for your love and forgiveness of us and how you work in our lives to work repentance. Uh, and we ask that today you would especially teach us about our forgiveness so that we would be all the more enabled to forgive others as you have forgiven us. Uh, we ask for your Holy Spirit to do this through our class. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we're working on a class through uh, two topics in particular, uh, forgiveness and repentance. Now, uh, we spent, uh, this is actually something I did, uh, forgiveness, way back months and months ago, and y'all wanted more of it, so you're getting more of it. Um, So, what we did last week was we started looking at something that I call the cycle of forgiveness, uh, it's based on something I sort of came up with based on some work done by Dan Allender, uh, who's a, a Christian and a psychologist uh, up in uh, Seattle. Uh, and we started working through this, right? So a, a few weeks ago, we did a, just a theology of forgiveness. And then we've started working through this uh, cycle of forgiveness. So sort of talking about the how-tos. How do we actually go about forgiving someone? Uh, and if you did not get it last week, there were a bunch of printouts. So I don't know if anyone needs one of these. I see a hand. I see two hands. And then I also have these other printouts that I, I'm not really, it's just a handy resource. I'm not really going over it per se, although uh, some of these materials will get brought up later. Uh, but... Uh, So today we're just continuing. We got through the first half of the forgiveness cycle last week, uh, and today we're going to continue through the second half. Uh, But first, let's say our memory verse together. So this is the verse I want us to all be working on as we think about what it means to forgive, and that's Ephesians 4, verse 32, uh, which says, Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. So let's all say that together. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Ephesians 4.32. So just a reminder of where we're sort of at in learning things. Uh, We're sort of going from just understanding what forgiveness is to actually doing some application, right? There's actually some what do we do uh, and How does this work itself out in our lives going on with what we're doing? So, uh, two weeks ago, we talked about how forgiveness is, first and foremost, debt forgiveness, right? Uh, Forgiveness is taking stock of what you are owed, taking stock of what punishment ought to be meted out, what price ought to be paid, and then absorbing that debt, agreeing that you are not going to make that other person pay that debt. So all forgiveness at its core is debt forgiveness. And we looked at all the scriptures where we see that, or we looked at some, not all, some of the scriptures uh, where that is aired out. And then we started talking about what are the steps of forgiving, right? I'm trying to give you a codified set of things to do to actually work through forgiving someone. Because as we talked about, forgiveness is not an event, it is a 
process, right? So it's really both. Forgiveness is a one-time event. I choose to forgive you. And it is a process. You work through forgiving someone. And you forgive them over and over again. Uh, As C.S. Lewis said, uh, forgiveness is like smoking. You can say, I've quit smoking 38 times. Well, I've forgiven them 38 times, and I'm going to have to forgive them again for the exact same sin. Uh, And so the first step of forgiveness, we said, is to specifically acknowledge the way you've been sinned against. This person sinned against me this way. Uh, And second, to acknowledge the damage done to you, to actually count the costs, take account of the price owed to you. In fact, uh, Berta asked a great question that I'm now just going to incorporate into teaching this material forever. What about revenge, uh, she asked. Well, uh, to which I said, actually, that's exactly the right question. Ask yourself, what do you need to do to get revenge? What would you need to do so you felt like you had meted out justice and they had paid the price? If you'd made them suffer that much, you'd be okay with them again. What do you need to do to get revenge? Because that is exactly the price you're going to be agreeing to pay yourself and never meet out on the person you are forgiving. That is exactly the price you are absorbing. And then we went to the counterintuitive part of forgiveness. uh, And that is stopping and thinking about your sins. Maybe uh, I put here, confess your sins that come out of the ways you've been sinned against. Uh, and, and I think that's right, but you could, I could just say confess your sins first, especially those that are of the same nature. But especially focusing on confessing your sins, now not necessarily to the person you're forgiving, right? Like to God and a pastor or whatever. Uh, you know, James 5.16, confess your sins. Um, but you begin to confess your sins that have come out of the ways you've been sinned against. Because as you do that, you're doing what Jesus said. You're taking the plank out of your own eye before you start dealing with the speck in your brother's eye. Uh, And that's really where we left off. So any other sort of either review I need to do to take us into step four uh, or things you feel like people need to be reminded of or questions that are just burning from last week that need to be addressed before I jump into continuing through the cycle today. Seeing none, I shall continue. So, the forgiveness cycle. I I told you this was inspired by Dan Allender's The Wounded Heart, which is actually a book about sexual abuse uh, and counseling people who have been through sexual abuse. Uh, But uh, he did some exegesis, I'll call it, for lack of a better word, of Ephesians 4, 25 through 32. Um, I, I don't know that it would pass any seminary exams, but I think it winds up giving us some helpful stuff anyway. Uh, so again, if you have not gotten one of these, this is sort of the summary of this forgiveness cycle. Does anyone need one of these? All right. Oh, yep. Oh, and uh, also, Phil brought this up two weeks ago. I finally read it. I said I can't recommend anything I haven't already read. Uh, I I read this because it only took 15 minutes. Uh, This is a helpful resource on forgiving uh, that is out 
uh, in our little bookshelf dealy whacker. Uh, and uh, it's by Tim Lane, who's a great counselor. Uh, Tim's a good guy. So, uh, here we go. We go from confessing our sin to repenting of sin. Now, I'm not going to go too deep in this, because starting next week, we're going to talk about repentance for two weeks. We're going to do something sort of similar, where we talk about a theology of repentance, defining it, and then we're going to go through uh, some steps of repentance. But, let's still talk about uh, repentance as it has to do with you forgiving someone who has sinned against you. Because repenting of those sins you confessed is actually part of your, uh, you know, uh, forgiving someone. Now, when I originally prepared this material, I, I was actually working with people that had suffered from substance abuse, and a lot of them uh, were victims of sexual abuse. So I actually had this very much in mind. I was thinking about people who were highly promiscuous or, or you know, had similar sins uh, because of the way they had been sinned against, molested as small children. Uh, and while we said we are always responsible for our own sins, it is also legitimate to say that some sins are at least somewhat a product of things that have happened to us. It is evil in our own heart, and it is the things that happen to us. It is both and. Uh, and so we need to... Uh, in order to forgive someone, we actually have to start to deal with the things that are coming out of our own lives, including the sins that are in our own lives because of the ways we've been hurt. So just some basics that I'm going to air out a ton, right? Repenting involves turning from those sins, turning from false idols, turning from things that you've been wanting to comfort you because of the ways you've been hurt and turning instead to Jesus. And this is where all non-Christian forgiveness is limited. Right? Our other-than-Christian friends don't have Jesus to turn to yet. I mean, they're always welcome to turn to him, but for you know, they have not believed in him. They've not rested on him yet. And so when we start talking with them about forgiveness, we're going to run up against a wall. When we say, hey, you've got to absorb their debt, because they're not going to have the spiritual resources to do that, because their own sins have not been forgiven. Their own debts have not been absorbed. But as Christians go about forgiving, uh, we find forgiveness for our sins in Jesus. We turn from those sins to Jesus. We repent and believe, turning from our old way to a new way, because Jesus has freed us from our sins. And that, you know, fits nice on a slide. That can be a years-long process. Uh, you know, we, we believe sanctification is real, and there is hope, and, and that it happens, but it is not instant. It is not something that just, I repent, and it's done. No, we have this ongoing struggle against sin. And especially when we're dealing with sins that are influenced or come out of damage that was done to us, we have a high price to pay as we are working through our own sins, repenting of our own sins that came out of that damage. 
Uh, and all of this comes out uh, of what Dan Allender identified, right? Ephesians 4 is on this trajectory to our memory verse. Forgive one another as God in Christ forgave you. So he started out by talking about telling the truth, not letting the devil uh, get a foothold in your life. And then he, taught, he says, let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Right? So that's just a long description of repenting of many sins. Apparently sins that were relevant to the church in Ephesus. Uh, and so as you repent, this is not a perfect analogy, but I think it's a legitimate analogy. As you repent, you are in a sense taking on the price the person who sinned against you owes. So you know, this is context specific. I'm talking about when you're dealing with sins that have to do, uh, that, that are a direct result of the damage done to you by someone else sinning against you, okay? So remember the context of these. If you take this out of context, you're going to come up with some wacky theology. Uh, and I know from experience, people love to take recordings out of context. Um, so I'm just warning you, don't do that, or I'll slap you. Um, hey, you didn't think that was funny at all. That's okay. Uh, you don't have to think it's funny, I did. Uh, as you repent, you take the price they owe upon yourself, just as Jesus took the price you owe upon himself. Remember that we said our sin can be a response or result of sin against us. And as you go through the, the effort, and guys, this is one of the things I'm going to stress about repentance. Repentance is not easy. Repentance, can fe- repentance is a type of death. It's death to sin. But the reason we've been doing sin to begin with is because we like it. Our flesh likes sin. Remember when I say flesh, I don't mean like this stuff. I mean our heart, our sin nature. Uh, and, and so to repent of sin owes, takes its own toll. Now, it's supported by the Holy Spirit and the grace of God. In fact, that's the only reason we can do it to begin with. But still, repentance is hard. And so when you're repenting of a sin that comes out of damage done to you, you are freely paying uh, the debt they owe uh, out of love for them through all of your effort and emotions. Right? This um, This is just part of it. Uh, and so when you are, uh, and all of this is part of forgiving them, right? Because right there, you're paying a debt someone else owes. I shouldn't have <coughs> this sin in my life. I shouldn't have anger problems because my dad had anger problems. I shouldn't have, uh, you know, porn problems because my parents had porn problems. I shouldn't uh, have uh, uh, idols of comfort and running away because I was bullied. All these things, 
th- those sins, while they were apparently in your heart, in some sense came out or were brought out by the ways uh, or that a scar was left in your heart. I mean, it's all complicated and wibbly-wobbly, but all of these things come out of you, but they come, we're talking about those things that come out of you because of what someone else has done to you. Uh, And so, they ought to have to make that right. You shouldn't have to deal with it, and yet you do. Uh, Remember, uh, I've been saying uh, mental health, or we could say spiritual health, emotional health, whatever you want to put in there, it may not be your fault necessarily, but it is your responsibility. Uh, so, uh, you no longer demand that they make things right because of what they did to you, but you own your own sin and say, you know what, I've been doing wrong. I need forgiveness. I have uh, responded in sinful ways. And so you're taking responsibility for your own sin and you're making some things right that they began to make wrong so again i'm going to do two whole weeks on repentance i'm just addressing repentance as part of the uh, forgiveness process right now any questions or ways you want me to go before we move on from that all right you have as long as it takes me to get this slide back to ask a question Yeah, it, yeah. Right, yeah, I, yeah, it's not, listen, if that bad thing never happened to you, you were still going to be a sinner. We all are. Uh, but, so we're talking about specific sins that came out of, that you are committing, that came out of specific sins that were committed against you. So it's all very specific. This is not at all general. Um, I'm having to talk about it generally because I can either bring in disturbing stories that we don't want to hear, or I can bring in your sins, or I can bring in my sins, and none of us wants that to happen. So, um, unless you just have a weird, weird sense of voyeurism, um, sin speaking. Um, All right, so, as we go through this process of confessing, and repenting, and forgiving, uh, we are really... Uh, finding healing for our souls. I think that's the thing we have to remember. And it's, it's one of the hard things we have to hold on to, especially when we're repenting of any sin, is that repenting of our sins also brings healing for our souls. There really is joy in holiness on the other side of the travail uh, of repentance. Uh, and so we are finding healing. That person owes us a debt because they sinned against us, and yet we are paying it ourselves, and we're filling up our own tank, uh, as it were. You know, think about uh, Jesus. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. Uh, Yet uh, we uh, all each have gone our own way. like sheep, we have gone astray, and with his wounds we are healed. Right. So there's this idea that through forgiveness, there is also healing. And so as you 
own their debt as your own, as you absorb their debt, at least emotionally, if not in other ways, taking that debt willingly upon yourself, you're being like a little Christ. Uh, You are bearing the cross and cost of the damage done to you. Remember, uh, the scriptures are clear, the catechism is clear, all, you know, Psalm 51, verse 4, against you, you only have I sinned. Anytime we sin, it's against God, first and foremost. Now, some people, right, it's certainly, if I, you know, if, if I sin against Phil, I did sin against Phil, right? We, people can overread poetry. But my sin against Phil is also a sin against God, because it's a sin <coughs> against the image of God, Right? Uh, so, as we are forgiving people, just as Jesus took our debt on himself, so we are acting Christ-like in taking others' debt upon ourselves. And in that forgiveness, real healing comes as you take it to Jesus in prayer, as Jesus takes your sorrows from you. And yes, even as you begin to bless your enemy. Uh, As Paul wrote, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Uh, We labor working with our own hands, and when reviled, we bless. When persecuted, we endured. When slandered, we entreat. Right? There's this idea that we actually grow as people as we forgive, as we heal, as we go through this process. And again, more of this is wrapped up in repentance. So we'll come back to this again. And if this feels like, well, wait a minute. Step five is a repeat of everything else. Yeah. Like, remember the whole point is this is a sort of cycle. And cycles within cycles. Uh, The one impression I do not want to give you is that this is some six steps that if you follow them, you'll just be perfect and fine and everything will be dandy. Right? This is a complicated thing. Uh, it, it's not, I'm just trying to give you something codified for you to think and pray through so that you don't just sit down and have nothing in front of you when you're trying to figure out how to forgive someone. You can actually start to think through these steps. And so the sixth step then is the culmination. It is the actual release of the debt. You've worked with the debts you had. You've taken account of the debts owed to you. You know who it is who sinned against you and how they sinned against you. And so now you are going to release that debt. You're going to say, I will not make them pay it. You're making a promise. I will not make them pay this debt. Not emotionally, not physically, not financially, not spiritually. I will not hold this against them. And this goes right back to Roberta's question from last week. But, but, but how can I do that? And the answer is, you have to absorb it and really roll it over onto Jesus. Only Christians have the spiritual resources to do forgiveness this way. Uh, all of our other-than-Christian friends are going to hit a wall at some point. Because the whole point is that As we have paid the price for their sin, so to speak, 
We have taken their debt on ourselves as Jesus took our debt on the cross. Forgive others as God in Christ forgave you, Ephesians 4.32 says. Uh, And so, we can then move towards being kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Now the next, what I'll call 6b, then goes into reconciliation. Now, up until now, I, I, can, I feel justified in making some pretty black and white statements, all right? Someone sins against you, they owe a price against you. You need to take account of what they owe, and you need to get mad about it. It's not sinful to have righteous anger about real evil. Uh, and you need to figure out what they ought to pay. And then you need to take the plank out of your own eye before you uh, deal with the speck in their eye, which involves confession and repentance. And then you need to release those debts. And now it gets gray. Because a lot of people want to say, therefore, once you've released those debts, there's no more consequences. I mean, don't you know there's no more consequences when God forgives us? Actually, that's not true. There are still consequences for our sin. That doesn't mean God doesn't love us. It doesn't mean Jesus didn't die on the cross for us. It doesn't mean we're going to hell. But when we sin, there's still consequences. Um, If you broke the law, Jesus loving you won't stop you from going to jail. In fact, one of the signs of repentance can be turning yourself in. Um, If you have harmed someone uh, in ways that they just cannot emotionally get past yet, it may mean there is brokenness in that relationship. There is an ideal of reconciliation that will be fully realized in the eschaton when Jesus returns, all sin is removed. But the reconciliation is only an ideal in this life in some situations, particularly if there's not a long period of time and very clear, demonstrable repentance. Right? We said last week, Forgiveness and reconciliation are not the same. And so part of where this area gets real gray is people will try and say, but I thought we were forgiving as God in Christ forgave us. Aren't we fully reconciled to him? We are fully justified. But is your experience with God perfect? No. That's because there's still sin in your life. Your experiential relationship with God is, while you may know you are justified and therefore are going to receive full reconciliation, you do not have an experience of full reconciliation. And anyone who says they does, there's a Methodist, street, a Methodist church down the street that believes in that stuff. Right? We don't do that. Uh, just as we don't believe anyone is fully sanctified in this life. We don't believe anyone has full experiential knowledge of their reconciliation in this life. And it's particularly because of our sin. As the Westminster Confession of Faith says, uh, when we sin, God will at times withdraw his grace from us. Now, obviously, it doesn't mean withdrawing our salvation when it says that. It's talking about our experience of his loving fatherly hand in order to discipline us. 
Uh, and so reconciliation is something we work towards, but it is often something that is not entirely realized. But let's talk a little bit about reconciliation. First, insofar as it depends on you, live peaceably with all, Paul wrote. Right? You are absolutely free to try and make attempts to reconcile the relationship for the glory of God. Because what is the chief end of forgiveness? All right, I'm going to try this again. Hopefully everyone was listening. What is the chief end of forgiveness? Wow, Presbyterians, frozen, chosen. Whew. All right, anyway. Um, insofar as it depends on you, you are free to make attempts to reconcile the relationship for the glory of God as God enables you, as it is safe for various prudential reasons. You can move in that direction, and that is absolutely the ideal. Uh, because, and all because of the Savior who has forgiven you, who indeed has reconciled you, because that was his ministry, and he has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. Therefore, he who knew no sin became sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That's 2 Corinthians 5. So we absolutely have the freedom to move in those directions. Uh, and of course, we need to love those who have hurt us. My Bible is in the pulpit uh, because I'm going to preach. And so I'm going to have to pull this up on my phone now. <laughs> uh, where's my Bible app? Because I thought it was in my notes, but it's not. And I don't have the whole thing memorized. Oh, there we go. Romans 12. All right. 9 through 21. We're going to look at this a lot, by the way. And I know you already did a whole class on this, so you should already know this stuff. Um, if you don't remember the class on this, it's on sermonaudio.com or our podcast. Pastor Mike did this for months. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. And here's where it gets relevant to forgiveness. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. In, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves. And this is why we don't have to go get vengeance, because we leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. 
right? So that's, that's all part of moving towards reconciliation. It's absolutely done in safe ways, but that is what you're moving towards. But, but we're getting into the weeds and complications because these are the principles, right? But there's just a bunch of things that make all this really difficult. Right? Jesus, after teaching about all this uh, forgiveness stuff in Matthew 7, ends by saying, but by the way, don't cast your pearls before swine. You know what he was saying? He was saying, listen, if someone is going to come and hurt you because you're trying to forgive them and do all this stuff, I mean, do it in your heart, sure, but don't go to them. Like, that's not smart. Uh, so the principles of forgiveness uh, is that we are taking debt, taking account of debt, and releasing it, agreeing it to pay it ourselves, absorbing it ourselves. And now insofar as it depends on us, we are free to make attempts to reconcile. That is the same slide again for some reason. Um, There we go. Oh, and there was the scripture I wanted even. Alright, so, four principles from Diane Langberg. Right, I finished this slideshow on Wednesday because I was getting ready to preach today and I've forgotten what I prepared earlier in the week is what it comes down to. <laughs> so, four principles from Diane Langberg. Uh, forgiveness should be governed by purpose. And what is the purpose of Forgiveness. What, sorry, what is the chief end of forgiveness? Sorry, I forget I have to use Presbyterianese. Uh, what is the chief end of forgiveness? All right. You guys know I didn't grow up Presbyterian. This stuff is all, you know, hubbub lingo I learned to get ordained. Um, all right. So forgiveness should be governed by purpose. Uh, forgiveness should be done with carefulness. Right? This is not something we do willy-nilly. This is not something we you know, do just, oh, I forgive you, walk away. It's also not something we do without some justified caution. Forgiveness requires maturity. Hence the reason I say that part of forgiving someone is first confessing and repenting of your own sins, which is itself growing in maturity. Right? We've got to be at a place where we truly can forgive someone. We truly have confessed and repented. We truly have uh, the spiritual resources because we know Christ well enough to absorb that debt without making them pay it anymore, without insisting they pay it. Uh, and, and that requires real Christian maturity. And forgiveness should be governed by the truth. We are never forgiving someone by saying their sin wasn't that bad, right? Um, it, you know, if someone snaps at you uh, because they're having a bad morning, was it sin? Sure. But you know what? Love covers a multitude of sins. Uh, there's some sins that's just, they're obviously going to be repentant of that. There's a whole bunch of things going on. If it's a pattern, sure, you might want to talk to them, but there's also times to just let it go. You don't have to confront every little sin. If you did, you'd never get anything done. Uh, but 
Uh, forgiveness is certainly always governed by the truth. If, it's, if someone did something heinous, evil, wicked, something that truly costs you to forgive them, forgiveness is governed by the truth. You do say, that really did hurt me. And it hurt me this way. And I was angry with you about that. But here's what Jesus has done for me. Here's what I've worked through. And I want you to know, I forgive you. This is the price you owe, and I will never make you pay that price. Right? That's what forgiveness is uh, in the end. It is saying, this is the price you owe, and I will not make you pay it. Uh, As Tim Lane in that little book puts it, there's three promises in forgiveness. One, I will not bring up this offense again or use it against you. Now, Tim does actually uh, clarify if I'm not bring, I don't bring it up to enact payment. But if there's actually like an issue in someone's life, like they have a sin pattern that needs to be dealt with, and you can gently restore them, Galatians 6.1, You can bring it up in that sense, but you're not bringing it up to enact payment. You're bringing it up to to enact restoration. So those are those are different, Uh, and that's where you know this is more this weeds type stuff. But three promises of forgiveness: I will not bring up this offense again or use it against you. Two, I will not bring it up to others in gossip or malign you because of it. If you have forgiven someone, you're not going to tell the whole world they sinned. Again, if someone's doing a background check, sure, you'll tell them this person's a child molester, stuff like that. Like Some people like to take these things ad absurdum, uh, but let's not do that because, you know, it's ad absurd. Um, But, in general, we don't Tell other people about someone's sins. Uh, it's that, That's slander. In fact, bringing up other people's sins or foibles to others unnecessarily, uh, according to the Westminster Larger Catechism, is its own form of slander. Everyone just got sent to hell that has a Facebook account. I know because I've seen your Facebooks. I, all right. Uh, I will not bring it up to others in gossip or malign you because of it. And third, I will not bring it up to myself to dwell on this offense. And of course, this is really where it comes back into being a process. Because that's a hard thing to do. Because now you're dealing with your own heart. You're dealing with thoughts that you go, I can't even fully control this. Wicked man that I am, who will save me from this body of darkness? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 7, right? Um... Yeah, so, principles of forgiveness. Four principles from Diane Langberg. Three uh, promises of forgiveness from Tim Lane. So that's sort of the whole process, as it were, and just some principles to lay down in what we're doing. So I have just a few slides left. See, after all the times that I've extended it, today I actually ran, or I'm getting close to running out of material. Good for me. We'll actually be done early. But... Uh, Any questions, thoughts, things you want to talk about before I address the last few slides?
Okay. Okay. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. That, so I, I think you're right. And sure, I where's a piece of paper? If I had a marker, oh look, it says goals now. Um, don't you see the word? Everyone sees the word goals, right? All right. So um, the goals of forgiveness. I, I, I like that. I, I can. I think that's great. Uh, l- let me just comment on this real quick. Um, I, I have been saying, you know, these are, I'm laying out an ideal, and then there's all this gray area for all sorts of circumstantial things that the scripture just doesn't always have a nice, clean Bible verse for. Uh, so, yeah, th- these are principles in the sense, Captain, I quoted this earlier, Captain Kirk said, and Captain Kirk said it, so you know it's right. Captain Kirk said, regs are made for regular situations. Uh, so, there you go, <laughs> Fred. Ooh, there we go. So, for the recording's sake, I want to get that quoted. The formulas are all right, but they take knowing your own sin. Uh, yeah, uh, um, yeah. You know, Pro- Proverbs four twenty four. Uh, Keep the heart with all diligence, for from it flow the streams of life. Uh, or, um, oh, uh, uh, to quote myself. Uh, from my own sermon on uh, James 2, uh, right, faith is more than just knowing. It's even more than just believing. It's going through the scary part of obeying, or at least trying to. And, of course, o- obedience is one thing when it's a thing I can get up out of my chair and do. Obedience is a whole other thing when I'm dealing with sins of the heart, which I do have a duty to put to death, but... I mean, I'd go so far as to say, unless you've read a lot of Puritans, which I'm doing right now, uh, specifically to talk about repentance, which is a really convicting thing to do, um, most of us don't know what it means to deal with sins of the heart and, and, and that stuff. And that's really to the detriment of God's church, actually. Um, yeah, so there you go. Uh, any, any other? Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, and there's, um, oh, crud, I have this written down. Um, it's one of my memory verses. It's a proverb. Well, basically, it's about how the, the godly man, you know, over, it is the glory of the godly man to overlook uh, many sins. Anyone know that reference off the top of your head? The only reason I know it is because it's in my list to do uh, memory verse for, but I haven't actually memorized it yet. <laughs> All right. So things we still haven't covered. Uh, although if you want to ask about them, we, uh, I promised Mike I'd be done at 1020. So I got six minutes. But we're going to talk about how and when to confront. All right? So this is all, this is all coming after we deal with how we go about repenting. Okay? But how and when to, rep- to confront. And we're going to start with Matthew 18 because the principles are there. And then we have to talk about all the complicated stuff. Uh, uh, how and how and when to reconcile. If forgiveness and reconciliation are not the same thing, if reconciliation is a goal of forgiveness, but for various reasons not always possible, when is it possible, and how do we go about doing that? Uh, when we can and can't reconcile, even if we forgive, you know, how do we think about those things? What do we do with the fact that I said... There's consequences even when there's forgiveness. And I, I mean, I've already, I think I've basically already covered that. So maybe we have covered that, but uh, we might talk about it a little bit more and more. You gotta love it. All right, so let's do a little bit of review. What, both last week and this week, have we learned? Forgiveness is a process. It's not the same as forgetting. Forgiving is not forgetting. Forgiveness is complex. Yeah. Yeah, when, when we're dealing with forgiving someone, we're not only dealing with issues with them, we're still dealing with our own issues too. It's, in fact, it's got to be both for there to be real forgiveness. Forgiveness is absorbing a debt someone does indeed owe us. Already did that. Already did that. Is forgiveness easy? Not always. Sometimes it is. I mean, Caitlin's pretty. When she, you know, sins against me, I just forgive her. She gave me the stink eye now. I'm in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, other big takeaways or things that stood out to you uh, from this material so far? All right. Here's where we're headed. Uh, next week, we're going to start talking about repentance. I'm going to try and keep it to two weeks, but Mike tells me he doesn't know what he's teaching next. So, you know, he hasn't given me an actual cutoff date. Uh, So as long as you all keep coming back for it, I might keep teaching it. Uh, So we're going to take two weeks on that, theoretically. Next week, we'll just talk about a theology of repentance, divine it very broadly. Uh, And then I'm going to bring in some Puritan stuff uh, and talk about the how of repentance. And by the way, that is a... 
I can give you nine million different processes because that's a complicated thing. Uh, that's what pastors and counselors are for. Uh, and repenting, just being with Jesus. and Oh, wow, there's so much to repentance. Um, then I, I do want to bring in some case studies and complexities. We've, I keep alluding to a lot of the complexities, right? I keep saying things like sexual abuse, big sins, you know, because I know that stuff. I assume that stuff. I guess I don't know it. I think that stuff is on people's minds when I say stuff like this because everyone knows someone that's got a situation where you go, it would not be safe to just reconcile with that person. And, and I want to say, yes, I, I understand that as a thing. And that is why we have the domestic uh, abuse uh, and the, the DACA report from our denomination is to give us pastoral guidance on dealing with that stuff. It's why Diane Langberg has wrote uh, two different books, uh, one specifically on counseling those that have experienced sexual abuse, and another one just on counseling those uh, who have experienced trauma. Uh, and so I just, I just want to really create an entire session to just be like, let's, let's just do case studies. Let's just pull that mess out and talk about it. Uh, because I don't always have clean Bible verses. Right? We're, uh, as I told someone earlier this morning, we're, we're not normal evangelicals. We don't proof text things to death. Uh, we do think God's word speaks clearly about lots and lots and lots and everything needed for salvation and godly living. But there are just complicated issues that there's not necessarily a clean Bible verse to quote when you're dealing with stuff. Uh, and so we got to wrestle through that and take principles from Scripture and think about how to apply it. Uh, and then uh, we're going to come back. We may skip this one if I've already you know hit six weeks, but... If I actually stay on this schedule, uh, I'll basically take everything we've done and just try and do it all in a day one more time because repetition is the key to learning. Uh, that being said, any last thoughts or questions before I pray for us? Yes. Hmm. Right. Right. Yeah. Even if some, even if we know someone is not going to reconcile with us, or even if we know it's not going to be safe to go seek reconciliation right now, we still need to go through this process of forgiving someone. Now, you know, there's, and we will talk about this. We'll actually look at Luke 17, where Jesus actually talks about the relationship between repentance and forgiveness and actually says forgiveness is dependent on repentance. And we'll talk about what that means and how that works itself out, uh, both in our vertical relationship with God and our horizontal relationship with others. But sort of regardless of the potential for reconciliation, uh, we still need to forgive people for our own personal healing uh, and I think it is perfectly legit to tell you to be self-interested and forgive folks because it's healing for the soul and it's glorifying to God. We have Christ as our example. I'm, I'm waiting for like 
Hal and Bill to like correct stuff so that this is actually right. <laughs> or, or just, you know, make it better. Right. No, I, I think that's that, that is essentially exactly where I'm going. In fact, I would, you know, this idea of the the debt rolling stalling out on us. Right. That's where. Right. So there's legitimate shame and illegitimate shame. Right. Legitimate shame. If you commit a sin, you should be ashamed. It is not wrong. It's not not believing the gospel. It's not and. If you have Christ and you're appropriately ashamed, it's going to lead to repentance and freedom and lightness, right? So legitimate shame is not a shame that crushes. It's a shame that actually frees. What you're talking about uh, is what I would say is illegitimate shame, which is shame uh, that comes from things that were done to us. And that rolling process gets stopped, as it were, stuck on us rather than rolled on to Christ, which, I, I mean, I think, and now this is like a conversation, uh, I think that probably has something to do with uh, people not being able to roll it on to Christ because they, they actually haven't made the full spiritual, mental, emotional realization that they don't need to own that. Uh, they don't need to own it as something they did. And there's something about not, not having your mind understand things correctly that actually limits what you're able to do with it emotionally, psychologically. Yeah, let's let's hang on to that. All right. Um, is there anything burning before I pray? It must not be burning. Oh.
Yeah. Sure. I, yeah. I, I mean, yeah. I, I mean, I, I hope I'm not making it. I hope I'm not making it sound like these things don't ever happen. We we have a friend who spent years in prison as a child molester and came out and was a member in good standing of a PCA church. In fact, I, I'll, I it would be wrong to tell you who it is but you know who it is because you've seen him on tv that's all i'll say but he's a pca member in good standing who is a uh uh, and not because he's local he's in hollywood but you've all seen him trust me um uh, yeah um yeah so i mean the, the whole point of doing this class is to have stories like that but i also i mean i'll tell you this i've done a lot of counseling and for every one of those stories, I got five more that don't go that way. And so just statistically speaking, we need to be realistic about that there is hope. We also need to be realistic that it just doesn't always end that way, at least not yet. Um, so, all right, uh, let's, let's pray. Uh, Father, uh, we thank you that there is uh, indeed hope and, and that we can forgive, we can heal, we can move towards you, we can see how you uh, you, we love because you first loved us. Uh, help us take that to heart and learn what it is, uh, both to forgive as you in Christ have forgiven us, uh, and let that stir us on to repentance. Uh, repentance every day, starting today, uh, and teach us what that means starting next week. Uh, we ask for you to be with us through all of this, and we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen.